0: Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. All Scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it, God gave us a lot of Scripture. Sixty-six books and more than six hundred thousand words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. To help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's Word, and see how it all fits together so brilliantly. How every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes. Volume one covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while volume two takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send them to you today. Here's
1: Brian with details. The ultimate road trip through the Bible, volume one and two can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 digital library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit SomethingGoodRadio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 digital library. That's SomethingGoodRadio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year. Why should someone buy The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible? And who did you have in mind when you wrote these literary travel guides through the Old and New Testaments?
0: You know, Brian, your questions make me think of the words of wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. Of the making of many books, he writes, there is no end. And oh, how true that is. For what it's worth, as a Bible-teaching pastor for more than 30 years, the ultimate road trip through the Bible is my way of helping people understand the overall story of Scripture, and how all 66 books of the Bible fit together into a unified work of the Holy Spirit. I wrote with all kinds of people in mind, starting with the serious Bible student, even those who teach the Bible. I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But I also wrote for the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible, which we all know is the best-selling book of all time. Brian, you can read The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible from beginning to end like any other book, or place it in your Bible study toolbox. I know that if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word as I am, you will return to The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible repeatedly. As companions to your personal Bible study, these books will always help you see the big picture before you dive into the details of any book of the Bible.
1: That's why I'll be ordering my own copy, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. And you can get your coffee today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. Well, when you get right down to it, humility precedes salvation. You have to be humble enough to admit You're not smart enough to live without direction from the Good Shepherd. Today on Something Good, Dr. Ron Jones takes us to John chapter 10, where we find the third of Christ's seven I am statements. Stay with us here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, check out Something Good television, Something Good courses, Something Good travel, and the new Something Good digital library. This is where you can search for Biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. From his teaching series, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He Is Still the One and Only. Here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, The Door of the Sheep.
0: But John chapter 10, beginning in verse one, these are the words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs, The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And then verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, the uh, sheep and shepherd imagery is pretty well known in the Bible. It's well documented, we might say. (laughs) In fact, uh, the first thing that might come to your mind is that most beloved psalm, Psalm 23, written by a king, actually a shepherd who became a king, King David. And he spent a lot of time herding or shepherding his father's own sheep, and uh, the Lord led him to pen these, these famous and iconic words, the Lord is my shepherd. What, what powerful words those are, and followed by incredible incredible imagery. But have you ever wondered why the Bible compares us to sheep? Why not lions or tigers or cheetahs? I'd much rather be a cheetah than a sheep, wouldn't you? That's because everybody knows that that sheep are notoriously dumb animals. I'm sorry, They, they just are. They're not very smart. In fact, one sheep will walk over a cliff and the entire flock will follow to their death. They're just that stupid. They're also directionless animals. They're prone to wander from place to place. That's why they need a shepherd who loves them, who will lead them beside still waters and to those green pastures. Because if the shepherd doesn't watch the sheep constantly and keep a constant eye on them, one or two or maybe a bunch of will wander away to dangerous places they're directionless animals they're also defenseless animals uh, they aren't the king of the jungle <laughs> by any means uh, they're not hunters they're not predators uh, they're, they're not strong, independent animals. They're rather dependent on a shepherd to lead them. Uh, there's no other animal in the wild kingdom that fears a sheep. No, the, just the opposite. The sheep fear the lions and the tigers and the wolves and all those predatory animals. So to understand that the Bible compares us to sheep is rather humbling. Have you ever taken one of those temperament tests, maybe those personality tests, and they have kind of one of four categories they want to put you in, and, and you're either a, a lion or a golden retriever or an otter, and I forget the fourth one, but I can guarantee you, it's not a sheep because nobody wants to be a sheep, right? It, it's humbling to identify with what the Bible says about us, God's people, that we, we are sheep. We are sheep that need a shepherd, And that brings us to John chapter 10, to this body of teaching that John records for us from Jesus. And inside here, Jesus draws upon the sheep and shepherd imagery, and he gives us two more of the I am statements. He says, I am the door of the sheep. And then a little bit later, he says, I am the good shepherd. We're going to split these into two weeks. We're going to talk about the door this week and the good shepherd next week. But uh, throughout the discourse here, Jesus, who is speaking metaphorically, kind of mixes the images in. One minute, he is the door of the sheep, and the next minute, he's the shepherd who walks through the door to get to his sheep. So let, let's give him the, the, the freedom to do that in a literary sense, because he's speaking metaphorically. But, but, but he, he says here, I am the door of the sheep. What, what does that mean for people like you and me living far, far away from an agrarian culture where there were shepherds and sheep and all that? What does it mean for people like you and me living in the 21st century? Well, before we get to all that, if you, if you would indulge me with a whimsical moment, uh, when I hear the phrase, I am the door of the sheep, it reminds me of one of my favorite Disney movies. It was back in the early 2000s, I believe, when Monsters.com came out. Remember that movie? Come on, parents. I know you took your kids to it, and you probably enjoyed it more than they did. But here's the plot summary. Lovable Sully and his wise-cracking sidekick Mike Wazowski are the top scare team at Monsters, Inc., the screen-processing factory in Monstropolis. When a little girl named Boo wanders into their world, it's the monsters who are scared silly, and it's up to Mike and Sully to keep her out of sight and get her back home. Now, I love the movie. I took my kids there. We probably rented it three or four times since then. It's a great kind of kid-parent movie. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when Mike and Sully are trying to get Boo back home. And they find themselves in this giant warehouse with thousands, maybe 10,000, maybe millions of doors, and they're traveling on these fast conveyor belts, hanging on to a door. Beyond each door is a destination. And the pressure is on and time is running out to get Boo back home. They're trying to open the door and go through the door that leads to her home and to her bedroom where they can tuck her in safely. But Randall, the slithering snake, is chomping at the bits and he's chasing them and he's going after them. And you're just wondering, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? Are they going to go through the right door? It's one of the great chase scenes in Hollywood. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It's just one of the great chase scenes. And it reminds me that we all walk through doors in life, don't we? Some of those doors are open, some of them are closed, some of them are locked up. Uh, Some of those doors are wide, some doors are very narrow. Some of you have French doors in your home, or sliding doors, or trap doors. Some of you grew up in a place where you had a barn door. Or your mother said to you, don't bring that in here, you don't live in a farm with a barn door, do you? Uh, Some doors, most of them, swing on hinges, don't they? And other doors revolve on a a vertical cylinder. We call it a revolving door. Have you ever been in a revolving door before? I embarrassed myself once at a revolving door. Can I tell you the story? I was in my senior year in college, and I interviewed with a Fortune 500 company that came to campus to interview students. And uh, the interview went well, and a couple weeks later, they invited me to their corporate headquarters in New York City. I'd never been to New York. I grew up in Indiana near cornfields. Uh, We had maybe one or two tall buildings in our downtown, but I had never seen anything like New York City. (laughs) And I flew into LaGuardia Airport, just as nervous as nervous could be. I got in one of those cabs they told me to get, gave them an address, and they whisked me to Midtown Manhattan to Park Avenue. I stepped out of that car and I looked up Tall, tall buildings as far as I could see. I checked the address, I walked in, went up to the third floor and checked in for my interview, and the receptionist said there, okay, Mr. Jones, you, you, you sit over here in the reception room. And I walked in, and there were about five or six or eight or ten other people looking dressed just like me. Interviewees for the day. And what seemed like uh, about an hour or so passed, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting, and suddenly this rather gruff old man walks in. He says, which one of you is Jones. You know, I raise my hand, and he says, come with me, and boom, he's off and running. I'm having to pick up the pace to catch up with him, and I finally do, and we squeeze into a crowded elevator, and zoom, we go down to the first floor, and as quickly as we squeezed into that elevator, the elevator doors open up, and boom, he's out the door and mumbling something about being hungry, and that's when I figured out he was taking me to a lunch interview. Hadn't been told that. So I'm thinking, I better not spill something on my tie or my shirt or all of that, and I'm all nervous. We're coming through the lobby of this big Fortune 500 corporate headquarters building, and there's a revolving door. Never seen one of these things. He jumps in. I jump right in there with him. And I didn't realize it was only for one person, and so we kind of move our way around the revolving door like this. He pops out the other side and gives me one of those looks like, what planet did you do? I told you it was embarrassing. I did get the job, but I don't think he recovered from the experience. I think he's still, still wondering about this guy from Indiana that he hired. But we all go through doors in life, don't we? All kinds of destinations
1: on the other side. Up next... The second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And if you're listening to Something Good Radio for the first time, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. It's our way of saying thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by our website, somethinggoodradio.org and click the I'm new icon right at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer requests with us by using the Explore feature at the top of the homepage where you'll find the How Can We Pray For You option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. We travel through all kinds of doors in life. The most important is the door called Jesus Christ. With the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Door of the Sheep, here's Dr. Ron Jones.
0: Jesus said this very interesting thing. He says, I am the door of the sheep. What did he mean by that? Let me suggest three or four things. Number one, he's a door of defense. He's a door of defense. Look in John chapter 10 and verse 1 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Now, I want you to picture in your mind this agrarian culture, this this culture that has shepherds and sheep. A shepherd out in the middle of the fields would build what's called a sheepfold. He'd build it out of rocks. There'd be walls all around, and he might put thorny bushes on the tops of those walls so that predators and thieves and robbers wouldn't jump over the sheepfold. And it would be a wall all the way around to a certain point where there would be an opening on the other side. And, and that's the, through that opening is where the sheep would come in and out of the sheepfold. Now, at night, and here's the powerful picture, at night the shepherd would lay down across that opening. And he would literally become the door to the sheepfold. He'd put his own life at risk. He, he'd become the, the last defense, the last point of protection against any predator or any uh, thief or robber that might try to come through that door and and hurt the sheep in some kind of way. In fact, twice or maybe two or three times in this longer discourse in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus mentions thieves and robbers and strangers. It was the primary responsibility of the shepherd to protect his sheep from these kinds of predatory animals and from these kinds of people. And in that way, uh, Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. He is a door of defense. Now, what's true in the animal kingdom and with shepherds and with sheep is, is also true in our spiritual life as well, and it's, it's true inside the church. And the Apostle Paul figured this out back 2,000 years ago. You know, he was a church planter. He started a lot of churches and was kind of an itinerant church planter and went from place to place gathering believers and getting them started in their relationship with the Lord and forming churches. One of the churches that he planted was in a city called Ephesus. And the longest that Paul, this itinerant church planter, ever stayed in one place was in Ephesus. He stayed there three years. But Acts chapter 20 records the time when he departed And there's a tearful goodbye happening on the shore as he's getting ready to set sail to another place, and the elders and the leaders of the church and others come out to gather with Paul. And Paul takes the opportunity between tears and hugs to say this, Acts 20, beginning in verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. is called away from a church, ought to bring his church to this passage of Scripture and say, beware, uh, beware of my departure. And as you look for a new pastor, because in that leadership vacuum, fierce wolves might arise from within or from without, he says. Uh, there may be some men who, who want to come here and speak twisted things, he says and try to draw away the disciples after them. And that's, that's an important warning for all of us. You know, one of the biggest and most important responsibilities I have as a pastor of a church is to protect the flock of God. That's what a shepherd does, or an under-shepherd who's serving under the chief shepherd, who is Jesus Christ. And the primary way that a pastor does that is, is by uh, protecting what happens from this platform, the teaching of God's Word. I commit to you that I will always preach to you Christ and Him crucified. I will never allow anybody to come onto this platform who has an agenda speaking twisted things that want to draw away the disciples after them and not point them to Christ. We have to be on the alert about that. Uh, Jesus is a door of defense. His under-shepherds, the pastors of the church, and the elders of the church are there to protect the flock because there are a lot of people out there in the world, sometimes from within, sometimes from without, who want to come in and fleece the sheep. And we don't want that to happen. Now, in a broader sense, Jesus, who is our chief shepherd, is our door of defense, and He protects us. He protects us. He has a protection plan. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 91 and I want to show you what I'm talking about here. I love the book of Psalms, and none that is more delightful than Psalm chapter 91. It speaks of our Lord's defensive protection over his people.
1: In many ways, Jesus is like a soldier who battles continually for your soul. He never sleeps never leaves, never forsakes. He is the door that leads from death to life. And it's a door that's always open. Thanks so much for being here today for Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Door of the Sheep. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio.
0: If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, Will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828
1: Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Remember, when you partner with us, we'll send you a free copy of Ron's full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. To join the 828 Club today, please visit our new and improved website somethinggoodradio.org and use the Partners tab at the top of the home page. That's somethinggoodradio.org or call 757-276-1099.
0: If you want direction in life, if you want to know the will of God concerning something, you can't know the will of God apart from the Word of God. Let me say that again and let that sink in. You can't know the will of God Direction for, apart from the Word of God as He speaks to us through His Word, the written Word, and the living Word who is Jesus Christ coming alive in the pages of this book. Not just in the Gospels, but you can find Jesus, you know, in every book of the Bible. In the Old Testament, they were talking about Him coming In the New Testament we read about his life and then further on in the New Testament beyond the Gospels we have uh, talking about his second coming all the way to the book of Revelation. This entire book is about Jesus Christ whom God has spoken to very clearly and very directly in these last days.
1: That's next time when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, The Door of the Sheep. Join us then for something good For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.